All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Rosso. I'm here in the studio with uh, Mr. Mark Dalzell. Hello. Uh, Mr. John Fideli. Who said that? And later on, Mark O'Brien and Leslie are going to pop in to talk about Nikon point-and-shoot cameras. Exciting. Mm. Yeah. This is January 15th show. Hey. Yes. Yes. What show? Uh, we're going to have listener letters. Yes. John and I are going to be talking about Vision 3 film and the fact that you could actually send it to a lab. What lab? Save it for the show. Yay. Uh, Mark's going to be talking about some some like NASA stuff, like z- something called a Zorky. Was that like a Russian spaceship? It's a satellite. crashed in my yard. Mark is going to give oh. us a review of the e- FPP E6 kit. E6. Because people have been oh. asking, how do you use it? How does it work? How, are you satisfied with it? How Who many, are you? Get are out you of my be, house. Are you going to be honest? Uh, yes. How many rolls did you squeeze <laughs> out of it? Yeah. Is it? Does it come in fashion colors? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, FPP listeners, some really, really great news. The FPP online store, filmphotographystore.com, we now stock darkroom supplies. So if you're already in the darkroom or if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to go to the FPP site. We are now stocking tanks and reels, Kodak D76 black and white developer, Kodak fixer, and the home C41 Unicolor kit. That's right. You can do your very own color negative development right in your home. It's so easy. Folks that have been listening and kind of following along as all of us here at the FPP have started doing our own color, everyone has been so pleasantly surprised of how easy it really is. So jump on over to the filmphotographyproject.com, click the store tab, and check out our darkroom supplies, as well as all of our hand-rolled 35mm film, Kodak Laris film, Fuji film, 110 film, and of course our huge selection of 620 film. Awesome! Thanks very much. Let's get back to some show. Hey, we're back. Let's start out with a letter. This letter's from Ian Butler. Ian. That's an awesome name. It sounds Ian like he's Butler. in Black Sabbath. We know Ian Butler, don't we? It sounds like he's like, yeah, he's wearing leather right now. <laughs> uh, general question. I love your podcast. I enjoy your roundtable freestyle oh, talks. I know you like it when this happens, but Dane is calling. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, let's, let's Sorry, it. Ian. Hold on a oh, second. Bud. Let's dial him in. Hello. Hey, what are you doing? We're on the air with the FPP. <laughs> what are you on? doing? I'm in a bathroom. Oh, as usual. Just don't flush until the call is over. <laughs> That's Dane Johnson yeah. on the phone. Hey, Dane, how's it going? Good. I'd say I'd call and uh, check in, see what you guys are up to. Did you did you shoot any film photography this uh, holiday season? I've been shooting all kinds of stuff. Like I got the. Uh, did uh, Did Mark tell you about the score? The whole like dollar camera score he got you. No. No, he's, ho- he's no. hiding that from what us. What did I do with those? Oh, I forgot to bring those. No, no. the dollar oh, cameras. Oh, they got a great feel. There's a, there's a flea market that had them a buck a bin. There was about 60 of them, so we bought a bunch. You figured you'd like them. So I'm huh. shooting one. I got some old expired gold, and uh, in one, they got a good feel. So well, Are they point-and-shoot uh, cameras or one-time use? They're, they're point-and-shoot. No, they, you can load them as many times as you want. No, they're, like okay. those, they're a little, like, the, cheap Chinese... Things. Yeah. Plasticky but things. Plastic wrap, so even though they yeah, they're were, brand uh, new. Hot shoe? Yeah, brand new. They got a good feel. They so we'll see. I'm sure I'm halfway through a roll. Do they have a hot shoe on them, Dan? I forget. Yeah, they got a hot shoe. Wow. Hot shoe works. New in the box. Wow. Whoa, oh, where'd you man. get those? He's just told you. Flea market. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you. I'm gonna hey, I'm at the flea market tomorrow. I'm gonna go hit it again. English town and uh you know. They I were a dollar each? You sh- you shoot with them yet? <laughs> no, what, what was her name again? Shoot, I forgot her name. Was it? Oh, you gave. We were just we were talking about this last show, but you gave her one of your business cards. You one of your FPP yeah, yeah, business no, cards. Yeah, And so I was there the week before, and then she listened to like nine episodes of FPP, 
And she was like, hey, what's up? Hey, Dane. Hey, is that the mark? You know, she was right away. She knew who everybody was. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, oh, she listens know. to the show. Now she does. Yeah, she, she's a, she was a photography uh, major at Rutgers back in the day. Wow. So, cool. Yeah. See the but FPP anyway. cards at work already. That's great. So you gonna yeah. can you buy like a hundred of those things? The what? Those point and shoot cameras. Can you buy like a hundred of them? I bought. We bought like fifteen of them. I, bought, I, I got you ten. More. Of them. I forgot yeah. to bring them. Okay, yeah. and you gonna buy some more? Hey, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll go see if she's there. I'll buy another freaking twenty of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, buy twenty of them. <laughs> oh, they're awesome. They, they. You know, they're all clean. They're all plastic wrapped, so you know they, they all work. It's all solid. Good. Cool, okay. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for calling right, in, so man. It sounds like you guys are having fun, and uh, and I'm done here in the bathroom, so I should probably get back. To all right. <laughs> don't don't yeah. forget. All right. Don't uh, forget. Hey, you know what? You know what? What? Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, go flush yourself. Flush twice. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> English town. <clears throat> Last time I was there, you missed it. I was there with Dane and Kevin, and I got uh, a white, um, what do you call it, SX-70, the rainbow, rainbow stripe. Rainbow one-step. The rainbow one-step in a Ziploc bag with all the manuals. It looked brand oh, freaking man. new for $5. That's amazing. It's awesome. I've never had one of the white ones before. You know, um, over the holiday season, our developing kits, we have the C41 kit, the E6 color slide kit, and, of course, we sell black and white chemistry, the famous D76. Hmm. It has taken off like a rocket ship. Phenomenal. <laughs> Literally, John. <laughs> are you drunk? <laughs> hundreds of people. Yeah, that's a lot. Hundreds of people are now uh, souping their own color that's film. Fantastic. Because of the FPP. That's awesome. You're like a god. <laughs> you are. You're like the Pied Piper, at least. Really? Maybe not a god, but the Pied Piper. By the way, did you see the lights? Oh, yeah. Oh, Butler Jumbalta. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the holiday season, uh, Butler, New Jersey. They light up every inch of the municipal uh, yeah. parking lot there. Like, so much that it almost gives you, like, a seizure. You turn the corner, it's like, whoa, whoa huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of colors. And I pass by when I go visit my folks in Lindhurst, New Jersey. Same the Jambatha house. Remember the Jambatha? Oh, yeah, yeah. Still going strong. Oh, God. There's, uh, every, every town has a Jambatha house. A, a Jambatha house, folks at home, is a house that decorates for Christmas that overdoes it. They, like, throw everything in there. Yeah. Mixing yeah. themes, Frosty with, you know, right. all kinds of, you know, the Bumble. And <laughs> it's, it's just not but, right. you know, we're talking about home processing. Yeah. Uh, uh, in 2015, we introduced the E6 Color Slide Kit. Yeah. E6. Uh, Leslie came up there. She's like, well, why don't you do the E6 kit? I'm like, there's an E6 kit? Yes. Well, great. And, of course, one of the first guys to try it has been Mr. Mark Dalzell. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the question I want, the question I want the answer to is always like, because it's always so satisfying. Like the last C41 kit, mm. I squeezed 36 rolls out of that. That's crazy. It's incredible. Right, How, Mark? how was your last roll? Fine. Uh. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, I've been using the E6 kit for six months. I, I've, I've put maybe 20, maybe 15 or 20 rolls through it. I haven't, I don't, so I haven't hit the end of it yet. I don't know. It keeps going. I've got about four or five rolls to develop next week at the studio myself right now. That, uh, What's the recommended amount of rolls to roll, roll through it? Off the top of my head, I don't remember. I believe it was less than it is in the C41 kit. I like, want to say like it says to do 8 to 10 or something, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, no offense to Unicolor, who's, you know. They're trying to maintain mm. perfection, right? And I'm not necessarily. Uh, yeah, people listening home should understand. Like if Matt were here, he would say, "Listen, folks, if you want top quality, you should follow the directions." Yeah. And yeah. you don't. But it could be that we're seeing the exhaust. That our, it could be that our negatives are a bit exhausted or not what they could be. But we're compensating it in the scan. Yeah. So true. Also, on a previous show, Matt had a device that you put in your chemistry, and it links to your laptop. It gives you the constant temperature. What? He was talking about temperature variance and how it affects your negative. It blew my mind. Like, for example, even black and white. If your temperatures vary even by a few different degrees, Mm. that will affect your grain. Yeah. So, you know, people who process at home or even use a lab, you always quick, we're all quick to say, myself included, you see your pictures like, well, the lab, you know, the film, I don't Mm. like this film because it's grainy. Well, you know what? It could be. That whoever's processing it, or if you're processing it yourself and the temperature's off, yeah. it will increase or decrease the grain. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Some tips from Leslie. If you pre-soak your Tri-X, 
by pre-soaking the film, it expands the emulsion a bit, so you'll get bigger grain. If you don't pre-soak it, you'll get tighter grain. Like all the stuff, mm. you know, which brings me to the end point, which is that I am certainly not, and neither is Mark. That's I think it will say. I should listen to this show. We're not chemists. What's the name of your show? Film <laughs> Photography Podcast. <laughs> We're not chemists. Whereas Matt is much closer to yeah. working. He, he takes intense workshops yeah. to be, to really know your stuff and how to get optimized. I'm a little, ca- I'm very casual about it. And I think you kind of very casual about That's it. That's why his photos yeah. are the way they are and your photos are the whoa, way whoa, whoa. they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the E6, let's take it from the... Hold on, wait, what about this guy? Oh, oh, <laughs> Ian. We forgot about Ian Butler. Because Dane Cole. Real quick, he was just saying that he loves a podcast, and he downloaded them all to his iPad, and he's binge listening as he drives. I travel for my job and can avoid <laughs> tedious conversations about my actual job by listening. <laughs> you know, so fo- we saved him. You know, folks, go ahead. He said, thanks to Leslie for answering my question, Fixer, and its lifespan and storage. His question on Fixer, I, I imagine. Well, that is. See, that's a perfect example. Her answer was probably like a month. My answer would be, I don't know, a couple of years. Yeah. Well, you've got to take it from where it's coming from. Exactly. Ian. And uh, Leslie's giving good advice. So thanks, Ian. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. thanks for writing in, Ian. Podcast at uh, Film Photography Podcast. Uh, um, uh, Check the card. Check the card. Well, that's the old address. I'm sorry. The, uh, I think it's like podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. You just said gmail.com earlier. Yeah. <laughs> It's all the same thing. <laughs> Film photography podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> that will work. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. That will work too. Tell us about the kit. All right, let's talk about Oh, the I kit. forgot we were talking it's about like that. It's like a kit. There's liquid in it. It's not powder. Is it hard to use? Is it hard to mix? Is it confusing? Was the instructions easy to follow? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If, if you're familiar with the uh, Unicolor C41 kit, yeah, basically when you get, when you get the stuff, it's, you know, get, a, get four jugs, fill them up with some water, pour these chemicals in, slosh them around, and you're ready to go. Is, is tap water, or do you need distilled water for this? Uh, are you asking Matt, or are you asking I'm me? asking you. Tap water is fine. Matt, what do you say? It's distilled Definitely water. distilled water. <laughs> Okay. That's my mat. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just use tap water. It works fine. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're supposed to use distilled water or at least clean water. I mean, we're using Jersey City right out of the tap. So you fill up a jug. You let the mercury settle to the bottom. You <laughs> siphon off the mercury and then use what's left to make okay. your chemicals. Do you, does E6 like the C41 color kit? C41's for color print film. E6, this kit's for color slide film. Mm-hmm. You have to heat your water? Uh, yes. And it's a little more detailed in the instructions. So with the C41 kit, it says you must be between, and this is all going off the top of my head, um, 102 to 105 degrees Fahrenheit to do your developing. With the E6 kit, it actually tells you different developing times depending on your temperature. So it gives you a little more power. If you want to develop at 70 degrees Fahrenheit, you can do it. It's just going to be nine minutes versus 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which will be six and a half minutes. So you can mm. kind of play around with it a bit, and you have a little more power, like you would with black and white, where you can sort of fiddle around. Yeah, with pushing and pulling and this and that. So you can play around with it. But I tend to do it at 100 degrees, which is the uh, the fastest. Okay. So if you're familiar with the C41 kit, where you've got you got your pre-wash, your pre-soak, three and a half minute develop, six and a half minute blicks. And then um, whatever minute, five minute wash. With the E6 kit, you've got your develop. You've got two different blixes, and then you've got the wash at the end. So it's just one extra step in, in the middle. So instead of taking 12 or 13 minutes to develop a roll, it, it now takes, you know, 18 minutes or so to develop a roll. Still so it's, not it's very a little long. bit longer, but not very long. Yeah, and you and if you're using a tank that has, if you can hold two or four rolls in your tank, then obviously you're getting two or four rolls in 18 minutes. So you're getting your money's worth, and the first time, if you're, if you're doing C41 developing at home, and the first time you pull it out of the tank and it works, and you think, oh, I can't believe that worked, that's awesome. The first time you pull slides out of the tank is like a magic trick. It's like you've discovered a new religion. Um, so, yeah, it's amazing. In fact, the, the, the picture on the FPP site for the E6 kit is my very first roll. When I pulled it out, and it's a picture of my cousin, in Vermont, and uh, I, I was like, oh, Mike, they came out beautiful. I immediately took a picture with my phone and sent it to Mike within seconds of pulling it out of the, the wash. 
And that's the picture you see on the site. So that's, that's the feeling you get is, wow. It is. And once it dries, it's beautiful. It's like little stained glass windows. Is it filming there? John just pulled out his Min- Minolta 7. Yes. And that is skinned. That's definitely skinned. Yeah. It has beautiful green. You, this is yours, I think. Faux leather. Uh, no, because uh, Alex gave me one. Oh, you have one. For, so you're giving that back to me? Yes. I'm going to shoot. That the, was. going to try and shoot the, the roll in here. Uh, it's only my second shot. Stoops. <laughs> Just keep shooting. Just shoot, shoot. Uh, what do you have in there? What kind of film? 250. Two, oh, that must what, be what your kind? 250D stuff. Yeah, it's got to be the 250. FPP stuff. The daylight. Can you just take it? Since you only shot two shots, can you just like remove the roll? Okay. All, right. All of a sudden, you need it. You didn't. Need, you weren't even. You didn't even know it was yours. Now you know it's yours. It's like, oh, can you just get your smelly feet out of my shoes and give them back now? <laughs> That's an all-manual camera, or does it take a battery? Do you, do you know? The man, the a battery. Not to be a super, you know, super detractor here. Of... Not to be a... <laughs> <laughs> this camera, the Hymatic 7, John, how do you like it? I love it. You love it? I it, loves it. Now, Alex Lauk sent you your very own. Yes, because he knew I liked yours, the one I was using. Yep. And uh, he had an extra one. He very kindly sent me one. No kidding. Yeah. It's the rangefinder. It's, like. it's very nice. Plus, it's the ease of use, and it's got the auto auto uh, feature on it. Auto. Have you found it this uh, Minolta Hymatic Seven? How you, have you found it easy to focus? Yes, rangefinder is way easier to use. Wow. Way easier. So now that we're completely off topic, we heard from Ian. We gave the email address. We talked about the Hymatic Seven. Uh, oh, Mark, you were talking about E6 Kit. I, yeah, I don't know what else to what else to add to it, but you uh, recommend buy one it. and use it. Yeah, absolutely. So you could shoot color slides at home. Yep, it's you can you can do your own color slide. It's getting harder and harder to find places that do developing. It is, and especially E6 developing. So if, um, if you're going to invest in a scanner like the beautiful Epson V700, yes, or or something like it, mm-hmm. th- there's no reason not to uh, process your own film. Now now you have. Total control over your photography. Right. You like scanning, John? I love to scan. I got my turntable down there now. Let's scan all night long. Oh, right. Scan myself silly. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to stay on the... Scan himself raw. John <laughs> had... Um, in this Minolta Hymatic 7, John had a roll of uh, Kodak Vision 3 250D. Yes, I did. The most amazing thing about these Kodak Vision 3 films are, are that the... Um, it's a it's a motion picture oh, film okay. that FPP rolls, and it has a black carbon base on it, which yeah. means you cannot process the C41. Can you scratch it off? Uh, you have to wet it. But it'll come off if you wet it? Yes. You can scratch it off with your fingernail? Yeah, I would not recommend it. This is the film that Star Wars was shot on. The new one? Yes. Vision 3. Okay. Yeah, it was it's 65 millimeters, some of it. Oh, my God. Quentin Tarantino shot uh, Hateful Eight. On is that his new film? Yeah. Yeah, did, whatever. Did he shoot it on, uh, for Django Unchanged, Unchained as well? Yes. Django Unchained. But this new film he <laughs> shot on Kodak Vision 3, 70 millimeter. Wow. Which, in fact, the film is 65 millimeter. Spectacular. Yes. That, that's very exciting. So this very uh, Kodak Vision 3 film in 35 millimeter, mm-hmm. FPPI, purchased it, cut it down, put it in uh, 27 exposure rolls, and shoot it... In my camera, the colors, the colors of Kodak Vision 3 films are incredible. Yeah. And most recently, uh, John shot two rolls of Kodak Vision 3 500T tungsten, shot it down the shore. Down the shore. And folks may be asking, well, that's great, but how am I going to process this film if, if I'm not processing at home? If you are processing at home, use the Unicolor FPP Unicolor C41 kit. Right on our website, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see instructions. This, this, this infamous Remjet, if you're processing at home, is a, as, as uh, Tony Soprano's mother would say, it's a big nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, it was a scourge. It's all a big nothing. The last step before you stabilize your film, you just put the film out, you take it out of the, the blicks, put it in a hot bucket of water, and you just rub the 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 remjet off with your thumb. Yeah, but that's the way it is. I we've, just kind of squeegee, you know, yeah, squeegee it off. We've pl- right previous, previously re- reported that you need the baking soda, you need this, you need that. You know what you need? You need nothing. You need gots. 
<laughs> you need your thumb. You That's need the it. will to That's take it. it off. It's the cake. But let's say you're not home processing. How in heaven's name can you process the ECN-2 film because you want to shoot Kodak Vision 3 film? Impossible. It can't be done. It can be done. What? We've discovered two labs here in the U.S. that you could send your film to. And it's now, they're now being tested by FPP listeners nationwide. The first became aware of is the one that we recently used, John and Dane. I sent Dane a link to his mm-hmm. pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Little Film Lab in California. Yes. He was just ooing and eyeing over it yesterday. He was showing me the scans oh. online about it. He was all yes. happy. Sadly, uh, Dane shot tungsten film, didn't bother filtering properly, so his, films, his images look a little off. But he, you know, he loves that. He loves it. He doesn't yes, care. He doesn't care. Knowing him, he'd put a blue filter in front of him just to make it even worse. Dane really likes the offbeat. Yeah. So John shot in the Jersey Shore, and I saw some spectacular shots. Of, like, yeah. So like a big Ferris wheel. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get them now. Okay, you do that. Let me put Start the coming back up. Oh, here it goes. Oh, they, were com- they were on Dane's thing. There we go. Oh, yeah. Dane posted John. Well, here's Dane's photos. This photo came out cool. He must have used a flash on it. Oh, he did a long exposure with a flash. Oh, That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, it's kids whacking at yeah, a pinata. Yeah, because look at the focus here crazy. and look at this guy back here. Yeah, that kid's constant so he didn't move. Crazy psycho kid there. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, he was proud of that one because yeah, it looks awful. That's an awesome, awesome shot. You, know, you haven't been shooting with this stuff, have you, Mark? Uh, the 50, I haven't. The, the, uh, I've been shooting mostly with the new, the E6 stuff. So Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the 250D, the and the three, which whatever. John just had in his yeah. uh, Hymatic. Yes. And, of course, my favorite, Leslie's favorite, I think John's favorite, 500T. Yes. It's an awesome film because you could just, like, go to a family dinner, you know, like a Sunday dinner, and just the natural light yeah. in the house, you could shoot, you know, F2.8, you know. Did you shoot that for your Thanksgiving uh, stuff? I sh- no, I shot 500T Super 8. Oh, Super 8, Father's yeah. Day, remember that? Beautiful. Great, right? Oh, my God. So Beautiful. With all natural light. All natural. It was all like in, in like uh, what you call it natural Organic light. Incandescent. Room, yeah. Room light. light. Yes. For Father's Day, I shot uh, the Super 8 500T. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Uh, that I sent to uh, our good friends at Pro, Pro 8mm. Yeah. For still film, the Little Film Lab. So we sent them film, and Justin over at Little Film Lab, we sent back some scans. John, you got them. Yes. And how, what was the, I was very what was the experience of shooting it, and what is the experience of you seeing the scans? That's a very nice sweater, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's cashmere. <laughs> Fine to shoot. I, I like 500, to me, seems just perfect. Perfect ISO. ISO-wise. ISO I, sh- I shot some of it on a, on a sunny... <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Some of it you on a... got to slow down, on, youngster. <laughs> on a cloudy day out on the beach. What did you shoot? What kind of camera? Uh, what was I shooting it in? I think I shot it in the Hymatic. Oh, no Actually, kidding. Yeah. Shot it in the Hymatic. And then I shot some stuff on dusk and uh, darkness on the boardwalk and uh, some really fantastic stuff. Some of it looked a little bit too grainy for my liking. And, I've never know, seen any of your fantastic stuff. I'd like to see that. Uh, by the way, John, who just had the two, just had it up. John, who just had 250D in your Hymatic, had the ISO set to 800. Have you even been <laughs> no. bothering? <laughs> no, I didn't know. Uh, I forgot to change it. Well, that's, that's good. I only had black. two shots. I haven't shot that camera since the summer. I totally forgot. It oh, had that so setting. you shot the 500T at 800 ISO? No, I shot 800 after. Oh, okay, okay. So when you know. shot 500 ISO yeah. Vision Three stock in this yeah. uh, Minolta Hymatic Seven, yeah, did you keep it, it, everything in A? Some, some I did both. Some I kept in A. Some I kept in. Uh, some I did manual. When it was completely dark, I liked the shots better. At dusk, things for some <laughs> reason were too grainy. Okay. But you had some other boardwalk pictures, so is there a comparison? I shot I, the stuff, the high eights, uh, the super eight stuff I shot, I really liked. I love the way it looked. Okay. But you uh, like the service. Yeah. It's how, how much more convenient could it be? I yeah. Mean, Will you be shooting, uh, did you shoot any super eight uh, over the holidays or no? No, I didn't. Oh. So overall, with the whole Kodak Vision 3 experience. Oh, I'm excited about it for sure. You got to come by that guy with his Christmas lights. A dentist. Oh, you too. You have some great photos. It's, his lawn is every square inch of his lawn has lights on it. For real, it's insane. Yeah, this guy by my house. Talk about Jambot House. He's got it on his roof, hanging in trees. It's just insane. It's crazy. That would probably be... shoot 100 ASA film there. 
at night. Oh, yeah. That's how, that's how bright it is. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Okay. And thanks to Little Film Lab on the West Coast for processing that film for us. When you order Kodak Vision 3 film, 35mm, 50D, 250D, or 500T, we also send two pieces of paper that give you all the scoop on it and the recommended labs. On the West Coast, Little Film Lab. In the middle of the country, up north, is The Camera Shop in Minnesota. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hey, when we come back, Mark's going to talk about a camera. Uh, you know what? Why don't we take a break, and Mark and Leslie are going to come in talk about Nikon point-and-shoot cameras. That's a great idea. Hold that thought, everybody. We'll be back. Clap on. Clap off. Clap on. Clap off. clapper. Let you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and a television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. Clap on. Clapper is available at Meyer, Perry, Hills, and Osco. Get yours today. Super 8. There are so many vintage Super 8 cameras out there. It's time to pick up a camera and shoot your own three-minute film on a cartridge of Super 8 film. And where are you going to get your film from? Right here at the Film Photography Project store online. As weeks go by, you'll see more and more Super 8 film stocks being added to the store. We have the Kodak Vision 3 line of films that come with a cartridge and a prepaid order form to get your film processed and transferred to a digital file. If you're into projection, if you want to project your film in your living room on a vintage projector, you'll want the brand new Whitner Chrome 200D Chrome Super 8 film. Keep an eye on the FPP Super 8 section in the store in coming months for new products being added. And it's time to start shooting some home movies. Super 8. Hey, we're back. And for this segment, uh, we're uh, you know on a break. And uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien and Leslie Lazenby stopped by to say hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mark. Hi there. And I'm thrilled to talk about, uh, which we uh, love to talk about these days, because we have a, uh, a sort of a uh, love for point-and-shoot cameras. It's the cameras that have been ignored the first many years of FPP, and they're great cameras, and people love them. Mm-hmm. And maybe now that we're in our, you know, the middle, the middle of our uh, decade, enough time has gone by from the 1990s when these things were out and about, but I think they're getting an all-new respect these days. I'm very excited. Today we're going to be talking about a Nikon point-and-shoot camera. Take it away, Mark. Well, you know, Nikon was actually late to the point-and-shoot craze. Right. I mean, we were, we they were always either the professional camera or the advanced amateur camera for SLRs and so forth. And the the last cameras that they had that were not SLRs were were the Nikon rangefinders back in the 50s, mm-hmm. which were fantastic cameras. But that's a whole different class. They're not point and shoot. So in the, in the early 80s, in 1983 actually, they re- introduced the Nikon L35AF. It has a 35 millimeter 2.8 lens, and it has a pretty decent autofocus. And again, in the early 80s, autofocus is still pretty relatively new. It, it was Nikon's very first AF compact, and they were about $200 when they were brand new. Today, you can find one at a thrift shop or whatever for a, a, a couple of bucks, maybe less than that. I think I paid $10 for the, for the one I have at an at a, at a antique store. Anyway, they had, so the, the L35AF was their first one. And it has a um, threaded front ring, which is 46 millimeters. Because of that, you can actually put a filter on it. Oftentimes, since that, that camera did not have any kind of cover over the lens, people would just put a, a glass UV filter on the front to protect it. But because of that, you can 46 millimeter filters are kind of hard to find. But you can get an adapter ring, 46 to 48 or 49, and put different size filters on that's, it. That's a real plus for a point-and-shoot camera. It is, mm-hmm. because 
you can do a lot with filters that the camera normally wouldn't do. You want to shoot uh, black and white film with a red filter or a yellow filter, orange filter. And because the, uh, the sensor is inside the, the filter filter ring area, you don't have to compensate. The camera will do it automatically. The, the, the lens is a 5-element 2.8, which is very sharp. It has very little distortion. It's pretty, the AF is pretty, is pretty darn accurate. The batteries last quite a while. What kind of batteries? I can't remember. I don't have my L35F in front of me, but they has a little... Some of them took double A batteries, and some of them took, uh, let's see, this one has... I'm going to guess double A's. I think it does, and I, but I think one of them actually took one of those bigger bigger batteries. Yes. Can I take a look? Yeah, take a look. I'll look at this. And so they, they came out with a couple different ones. Um, they followed with the L35AF with the one called the Nikon One Touch. Oh, yes. Which is called the L35AF2. Oh. And that L35AF2 has no filter ring, but it does have a little door that closes over the over the lens. And, oh, sure. And that's actually my favorite one, two, three. of the of the of the cameras because it's mm-hmm. also got a nicer grip on it, and it it's uh, because it's got that little cover. You can so throw it in a bag and 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 away you go. So it's it's a nice nice camera, and that came out in 1985. That's the L35AF. AF2. Oh, AF2. And they're okay. also, also, in this country, they called the Nikon One Touch. Right. The next one they had was the the third one, which you have in front of you right there. Oh, okay. That one is called the, what do they call that one? The One Touch as well. And it was a third version, but it has a macro setting, which actually is just a close-up setting. Mm-hmm. But it's two feet. So you, okay. can, you can it'll focus as close as two feet, which is unusual for any rangefinder camera. And again, it it has a threaded filter ring, so you can put different size filter, different types of filters on it. It has a self timer. It's a it's a pretty versatile camera. And Did the they, the last version that they had of the it was the Nikon L thirty five TW, also called the Action Touch in the U S. And it's water resistant. It has seals on the back and everything. So if you drop it, you can probably go 10 feet with it, I suppose. It's, it's hard to find. I've only seen one mm-hmm. pop up in a, in a at the recycling place. And it had obviously been in the water and the inside was corroded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, dear. It's, check it out because it's, they're fairly inexpensive. They're well-made cameras. The optics, Nikon optics are superb. And... Unlike a lot of the later one-touch cameras, there's no zoom. It's a 35 millimeter 2.8. It means in almost all situations, you're going to get a good exposure. You're not going to have this whole thing of waiting for something to zoom in and out. It's much. It's a much better street-style camera than all the other Nikon one-touches that came afterwards. And it's also fairly compact. The original. Mm-hmm. DX? You no, you set the, you set the, the film speed. Did it change in. somewhere through the series, do you think? I, I'm i not sure. Does it have DX on it? Although, you know, it originally I, I, it was kind of yes. an issue. It does have the DX okay. contacts in okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But the first one I think you set in the on the outside what your, what your ISO is. Okay. Uh, the, the going rate for these cameras on eBay here in the U.S. are 99 cents. Uh, to ten dollars, uh, then you get your occasional kook for yeah. seventy nine ninety nine, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get your you know here is a Nikon One Touch zoom, a new in box ninety nine cents with the wah 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 sixteen dollars shipping. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, don't that kill you? Those guys should be slapped side it, the head. I kills you. Uh, so yeah, these are relatively uh, very very inexpensive, and they're plentiful. They're they're, they're easy to find. But they're probably one of the better bargains in in point and shoot cameras, mm-hmm. and it's a good backup camera if you're going on a trip someplace to have it have a spare film camera, and you don't want to take up a lot of room. Put that in there because it won't go wrong. I mean, you you just it will just work. And the Canon had actually a very similar camera made as the Nikon, very very similar in in style and everything. Um, that's when the Canon and Nikon started looking alike. <laughs> We laugh about that now with the digital, yeah. with all the digital stuff, right? Yes. Um, you set them down on a table, and they all look very similar. But the um, the Canon model is also a very nice camera too, and so it has, I think, a thirty eight millimeter lens on it. I think instead of thirty five. But the Nikon is it's a superb little point and shoot, and I highly recommend it. Well, that's awesome. 
I also recommend them. Oh, I always notice the point and shoot Nikon always well made. Yeah, as are the Canon. They feel they feel good. Yeah, they feel sturdy. Good. Uh, thank you, Mark. You're and uh, we'll be back very soon. This is Nicola, founder of Film Ferrania, and you are listening to the Film Photography Podcast. Hey, we're back. Hey, Mark, uh, why don't we talk about, uh, what would you like to talk about? Uh, let's talk about this camera right here. Is that the underwater camera? Yes, it is. Oh, I saw that I, too. You, you put it in a bucket. It is solid to honestly, one foot. Yep. I swear to God, that camera it was all dirty. When I came into FAP, I was going to throw it in the trash. I know. And Mark walked in. I'm like, Mark, check out this. You said, oh, here's a Dane camera. I'm like, no, Dane won't appreciate that. He never gets that beard wet. Give it to me. (laughs) Uh, Mark flipped out. You're like, whoa. This has been on my short list of cameras that I've wanted to try. What is it? It's a Nikonos. It's a Nikon underwater camera. Uh, That's a Nikon? It is. How do you spell Nikonos? Nikon OS. Then wouldn't it be Nikonos? Okay, so it's I a, say Nikonos. So Nikonos, what's the model number? Uh, two. If you were Greek and you said Nikonos, I would say that's acceptable. Is that film? well because because that's what they're going for is that sort of Greek islands. It's Jacques Cousteau who invented it. Hold the Calypso. Camera. It's it's like. Thank you taking creative license, Mark. This camera is. It's designed. It's designed to be an underwater. Like it's an underwater camera. It is an underwater camera. It's it's like. In fact, there are design elements that you, it's not supposed to be used above water. I'll even oh, say gotcha, that. Gotcha. I'll go so far as to say it's not supposed to be used above water. That's a bold Great. Give us your report. Exactly. Um, so anyway, uh, so the Nikonos, these came out of the, the Calypso camera that was designed um, in the early 60s by um, Jacques Cousteau. Was the so Calypso he, so the that name was of the camera boat? that he used. That was the name of his boat, was it not? It was, in we, fact. Yes. And then uh, Nikon bought the Calypso, the rights to make the Calypso, and turned it into the Nikonos line, which went on. So the Nikonos one, this is the two, which is their early, uh, sorry, late 60s model. This is 68 to 75 they so made this. So wait a this. minute. The, the Calypso, uh, uh, Jacques Cousteau had something to do with? Yeah. He was a... He, did a lot. He was a great inventor, that job. If, if it was underwater, he had a, he yeah, had a he finger in it. he pretty much did. Yeah. Pretty much did. Yeah, so he invented... Man. I mean, I don't know how much he invented or helped invent or helped test or it what like it was. like the George Lucas, like, I need the camera underwater. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he was, he was in, in on the ground floor of the Calypso, yeah. which became the Nikonos. But, yeah, so the one I have here is the Nikonos 2. These went on up until... I don't know when they stopped making them, but there's autofocus versions of this. I mean, really? they, they got wow. pretty fancy uh, towards the end. But the Nikonos 2 is a pretty well-regarded example. Uh, and what these are is, it's, it's a, they, they call them, people refer to it as a rangefinder, but it's really a zone focus camera. Okay. But it's completely... That's a very beat-up looking one. I, it's actually, I feel like it's pretty good. Considering this yeah. thing's been kicking around the That's bottom nice. of the ocean, yeah. it's not bad. Um, is that where you found it? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, we f- I found it in a box on a pallet. It's it, the design. The thing I love about this camera, I mean, besides being able to use underwater, which it just so happened the week after I got this, I was going to California to spend a week on a beach. So it was the perfect camera to bring with me to California. But I love the, all the freaky design elements of it. Just as far as a camera goes, the design of it is beautiful. So the whole thing is designed to be used by a scuba diver underwater when you don't have a lot of motor control and you can't really see what you're doing. So all of the, the aperture... Um, and the focusing is done inside the lens itself with these two knobs on the Ooh. front. So this is your, your aperture controller. Oh, and this is your focus. Whoa. And then as you adjust your aperture, you've got the little wings that open and close that give you your depth of field. So it's really easy to see underwater what your depth of field is, what your f- focal range is going to be, um, and what your aperture is. Then when you actually shoot, it's designed to be sort of done with one hand. Once you get that set, what are you giggling about? <laughs> it's like it's really easy to use underwater <laughs> I don't know why I thought. Like, yeah, unless you're being attacked by an electric eel. Well, but there's not a lot of little buttons and switches. Like, everything is kind of big and chunky. So what they did, this is the way you actually Sorry. shoot it. Is you click this in, so that takes the shot, and when you let go, it pops out. <clears throat> and you wind, that winds it. Oh, look at that. Get out. So it's, it's like a quick shoot. So it's all designed to be done with just, like, one finger. So when you're underwater, it's really And cool. what about f-stops and all? I mean, like, like, like metering. How do you do that? Uh, that you're on your own. For okay. That. The, they did make. There is an underwater meter that they made for this, a waterproof meter. Um, this this particular model, the the, uh, the Nikonos two, with a proper set of O rings, 
with the correct lens, which we can get into lenses in a second, but this is rated to 160 feet of wow. depth. So you can go down wow. pretty far with it. Yeah, so you've got a light meter. On the bottom, there's a tripod attachment. When you unscrew this tripod plug, it, this is actually an O-ring. What are you giggling at? <laughs> I thought I was going to say, when you, when you unscrew the tripod thread, it just, the camera just fills up with water. <laughs> well, it would, yes. Yeah. So the tripod, the tripod plug has an O-ring on it as well. Yeah. But when you take that out above water on land, there are the uh, flash contacts, and there's also an underwater flash that they made for Good it. Good lord. So when you screw the flash in, then it becomes an, uh, you know, an underwater sealed flash unit. I noticed on the top, like it looks like a piece is missing. Did something fall off of it? There was a cold shoe up here. Oh, yeah, a cold shoe. It's been okay. ripped off. So, yeah, I'm missing my cold shoe. But otherwise, I mean, to use it, it works just like a regular zone focus camera otherwise. So you can use it above, above water, um, you know, as a real camera. The thing I was saying, it's sort of an interesting design feature is, the thing I was saying that it's not really designed to be used above water is when you're shooting underwater because of the refraction of the water, things appear to be closer than they actually are. Things no appear to be 25% closer mm. than they actually are. So the focus scale on the camera is taken, taking that into account. So if, I, if I'm looking at this and I want to shoot, let's say, you, and mm. you're about five feet away from me, in a normal world, you would set the camera for five feet yeah. and shoot it at five feet. Dane's calling again. Do we want to talk to him again? Hi again, Dane. The, uh, yeah, I wanted to say that, man, no, man, those, those scans from the uh, little film lab, those were awesome. We were just talking about wow. that five minutes ago on the show. Yeah, I figured that, so I figured I needed a call. No, those scans were awesome. Those scans are better than I could do. I was like, they were, all, they were done. They were ready to go. I only sent them to a friend, because that was at a friend's party, and he was blown away. He was like, holy shit, these scans are beautiful. <laughs> That's cool. Hello? We're here. Hello? Yeah, right, Who's the guy with the beard on the scan? Oh, no, no, that's Jay. He's a, he's a friend of mine. It was his daughter's party. Unfortunately, I didn't get any pictures of his daughter. I was taking pictures of pumpkins and shit. But, you know, <laughs> but everything else was cool, man. Those kids were kicking the shit out of that Tignana shit. So, you know. So that, that was a good shot. That was the Helios 2000, like on like a... Like a long setting with the flash, and you get the flash, and you get all the action, you know. Yeah. We were stuff. looking at, John was admiring that one you took of the pinata with the long exposure. Yeah. Like, I know, right? I was an like, awesome shot. I'm freaking, I'm freaking Ansel Adams and shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's are. what we were saying. Yeah, we were remarking. Yeah. Maybe Don Adams. Well, hey, hey, man, thanks for calling in. We just finished talking about it, so I'm glad you called. Yeah, man, anytime, uh, I'll make the next one. Catch you guys later. All right. Okay, see ya. Drunk you later. Right, later. Oh. 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 So, what's going on over there? I don't know. They're boozing it up? It's He's Friday night. Seriously, it's Friday night. He's sitting in a restaurant with his wife. He's had like nine beers. Uh, <laughs> have well, you shot with it? I have. I love it. Um, oh, so I was talking about the focus thing. Yeah, so yeah. the deal is, so if I wanted to shoot a picture of you it, with a normal camera, you're about five feet away, so I would set the camera to five feet. But in this case, five feet is actually like seven feet. Hmm. So you would be out of focus. So you have to compensate if you're going to use these absolutes. So it's just use it underwater. That's the easiest what thing What did to you do. shoot underwater? Uh, well, did you I was, see any photos? Did you post any? Uh, I, there are some that are up there now. There's a second roll that I just finished a week or so ago. I, it, it had been sitting in the camera for a couple oh. of months. So um, I'll develop it. That's actually oh, a roll of slide film. Yeah, I'll develop it next week and I'll get it up. That's a How roll of slide. the roll that you developed? Uh, it's on there. Yeah, looks well, good. I wasn't shooting a lot of actual underwater. I was sh- like, you know, underwater. we were we were body body surfing and this and that. So it was cool. I was like on the beach in my bathing suit with a Nikonos camera around my neck, the running people, into the surf. The and people say stuff. Oh, but sir, your camera. Sir, you got a camera on your neck. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. It's, you yeah. know. So we were like wading around in tide pools and taking pictures of this and that. So yeah. it, I wasn't actually scuba diving with it. So I don't. You're not going to see like. Anemones and starfish and whatnot. Maybe not. maybe I can borrow that from you if I go to the uh, no Caribbean. So. Okay. It has a, so this is the way it actually works. Let me show you this. So to to open the camera up, you pop this thing out through the lens. The lens pops out, which then unlocks the body. So then you can pop the body. Whoa! Out. Pops off the top. So, so this is just the case. This is the actual guts of the camera. Check mm. it out. So you can actually stick that back on there and just 
Go ahead. There, there we go. go. The lens itself, with these little knobs, they made a bunch of different lenses. The, the lens I have on here, actually, they made the UW lenses, which are the underwater lenses. Those are the ones that are rated to 160 feet. They made the W lens, which is what this is, which is the water-resistant water lens. So these are the ones that you can splash around and get wet, but you can't take it deep, deep. So the one that I have on here right What's now... What's deep, deep? More than 10 feet? I feet? don't know what... I mean, they're, they're, <clears throat> they're called water-resistant, and usually water-resistant means... You, you, you can, can splash get away, water you don't on have it. To worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I I had this in a couple of feet of water and it was totally fine. So, but what these were popular for the, the water resistant lenses were really popular for photojournalists who are going to either really humid, wet location. If you're shooting mm. in the jungle, if you're shooting in the rainforest, if you're you know, shooting in England, exactly. Yeah, if you're walking around London and it's just you're underwater. Um, yeah, so if you're shooting in a really humid location, this will keep everything working properly because the, the camera is completely but then airtight. you got to compensate with the or was the yeah you got to compensate for the focus well yeah i mean the, the, they're not particularly you're not going to so get a 1.2 yeah. so the depth of field is usually pretty good you don't have to worry about it too too much yeah. but what um, iso do you use under the waters uh, i don't know I, I i wasn't actually shooting underwater so i i didn't get into metering underwater i'm sure that's a whole other set of calculations that i shot that what, what, what i think i shot 200 underwater in that minolta that minolta 110 camera you lent me mike oh well yeah, yeah. I mean, we get those disposable underwaters that have yeah two or four hundred in it so it's not like you have to shoot something crazy yeah you don't have to go crazy go um, nuts depends on the day too yeah, so there's a, there's a wide range of lenses. The lens that's on here right now is a 35mm uh, 2.8, the waterproof version. There is a, a very highly regarded 2.8 underwater version, which I don't have. Mm. And then I also have a, I think it's like an 80mm F4 or something. What is it? It's a, yeah, eight, oh yeah, 80mm F4, which um, I haven't actually used. I, I just used nice. everything. It's bigger, so I usually need a longer small. lens. If you're, we were shooting by a reef. And I didn't want it. I couldn't dive down all the way because I was oh, with my okay. kids. So I, I'm like, oh, I wish I had a longer lens here. Well, that's, yeah, the 80 millimeter is the longest lens they made for yeah. it. So, yeah, okay, nice. I, can, I can loan it to you. But, yeah, you just can't go deep, deep because it's a water-resistant no. lens. It's not, a, it's not an underwater. But I'll shoot the 110 again. Um, and then the, the only thing you really need to know when you get these is the O-rings do go bad over time. They'll dry out and crack out. There, there are quite a few O-rings sealing everything all together. You've got the O-ring on the lens. You've got the O-ring on the body. There's the O-ring uh, in the flash socket and different models have different rings in different places so just make sure if you buy one of these that it is watertight that the rings are okay um, the one in mind the lenses are good and the body o-ring is great but you can uh, jump online you can still I was find say these. is there any support for this camera yeah you can still find the i mean if you know 20 years from now the actual nikon rings will be long gone but mm. you can probably source an o-ring from some other application but for now it um, looks like a belt yeah, it's just a little rubber belt. But the, the actual Nikon O-ring for the Nikonos 2, you can get them on eBay for $6. Mm. So if you get one of these in the near future, you may want to just stock up on a few of these rings. Yeah. What were the years of production on this? this the, the Nikonos 2 was 68 to 75. Oh. But the Nikonos 1 came out in 63, I think. And they went, they went all the way up to the, what was the latest one? It was called the RS or something. Um, yeah, what, what? RS, yeah. That's the autofocus version. And uh, is it still in production? No, it's not in production anymore. But they're, they're so well built that they're all pretty much all the ones that are out there are probably still working. Was this built and sold through the 90s? Uh, I can check on that. I don't know when the the, 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 uh, the last version was an autofocus version, so it, it oh. must be up until at least the late That'd 80s. That'd be nice. Really handy dandy under oh, the water, goodness, huh? Yeah. 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 And then there were a bunch of different accessories. You could get macro tubes and extension are tubes. Are you aware of any other cameras that were made like this? Or was this kind of unique? This was the one. There was yeah. no, yeah, I guess there, there was no, no competition. To, yeah, other than the Calypso, which was just an earlier version Until of it. Until housings, watertight housings came in, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, you could, you could always do that, but those are expensive and clunky because you're sticking your camera yeah. inside a big plastic case that, you know, if, yeah. if you... This seems way easier to use well, than any yeah. of that might be. Yeah. When I was a kid, I'm sure you guys as well, you know, we, I remember the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. Yes, Fascinating Rod, man. Rod Serling did the narration. Did he? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. So I'm guessing that Jacques Cousteau like powwowed with some film companies, maybe Araflex. To I'm guessing he designed gear also he for his, had his movie cameras. All, he actually was a great inventor. He has invented a lot of stuff with the diving rigs themselves. Yeah. The camera now that I'm listening, and I'm sure he's done stuff with film cameras, film camera housings yeah. and what have you. Now, has his legacy continued? Is his son... Jean-Michel. Jean-Michel? That's his name. Yep. I think that's his name. He's Jean a huge fan of seafood. Jean-Michel. <laughs> he is not. Is the my Calypso son loves Jacques Cousteau, and my son will not eat fish. 
how do you see Jacques Cousteau these days? Is it on TV? No, you you probably could watch him on YouTube, I'm sure. But Jean Michel, I don't know. I think he's working with Disney. The way I saw him, he did a little okay. trailer at the Here end of is. the Nemo. I'm Jacques talking. Jacques yeah, Cousteau I know. I'm talking. Son. Hello, I'm talking. <laughs> and his I, I t- Does anybody hear me? Am I live? You're overmodulated. Yeah. Great. See. Now we got to cut that all out. <laughs> Let me see. Look, here's a picture of, of Jacques Cousteau with his son scuba diving. No, they're and looking his son for their wallet. Has that exact the Nikonos camera around his neck? There it is. That's Can you crazy. send me that picture? Yeah, sure. How do I find that picture? Looks like looks like uh, John Denver. Yeah. You know the internet. This internet is incredible, isn't it? It's a fad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. I think it is John Denver. How's Jacques Cousteau with John Denver? No, I don't know. Well, thank you for the report. Is there anything else? Um, they go from thirty to sixty dollars. Hey, you're reading my notes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just uh, yeah. They, yeah, they range from 20 to 60, depending on the condition and the lens they come with and whatnot. But, you know, if, if you like to go to the beach, if you, if you hang out near a pool, if you've got kids, grab one. For 30 or $40, you can get a good working one, and, you know, you have a camera. You're going to look on the bay and see what they be got. It'd be fun to use in a pool, right? Yeah you, can have, yeah, you can jump in the water with it. You don't have to really worry about it. Um, there's there's a, a picture I put on my photo stream a couple months ago when I first got it where I tested it for the first time, and I put it in the kitchen sink. And I started filling the sink up with water to see if it was watertight, and it yeah, freaked me out. These are a hunch. Out, what's that? Look at that. They're beautiful. Well, that's an Econos 5, so that's the, that's wow. the much newer one. But yeah, 200, go back. 10, 119. Yeah, the one you got, I guess, Yeah, if you, look up, if you look up the two, they range from, they Whoa. sell for 20 to 60. A 60 is a really clean one with Green body. They came blood. in different colors. Got your orange body, you got your green body, you got your black body. I'm looking at it. That's an Econos 3. These are different ones. That's a 5. Yeah. Yeah, they're all different cameras. That's well, a 4. Icon. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Yeah, you got it. Well, look, here's the, uh, here, this one comes with the flash unit. Look at that. Yeah, that's a five. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. It's not that bad. 300 bucks for the whole rig? Yeah. We're going to be hitting the road soon, but really quick. The rickety road? Here's a quick letter. It's from, hey, guys, just catching up on some shows since the break. You guys were discussing the Exacta VX500. Yes. And ask people to write in with in which viewfinder they prefer. I'm probably going to have to look for an Exacta with a waist level finder. Yeah, why is that? What's his problem? I don't. <laughs> this is from Keith. What's by the, the matter way. with you? Then he switches gears. He says, "Keith says, I love my Canon AE1 program to death." Should we call Dan up see if he likes his AE1P? Mm. That'd be great, right? He's probably, sound being, like... he's probably being thrown out of the restaurant by now. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a camera Dan would like. If the VX? No, that's a, that's a that's a me. No, camera. Canon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dane is a Canon guy. Is he? Oh, my I, God. I didn't think he was a brand name guy, period. He shoots with every like, camera he's I like, see. Oh, yeah. He's like, yep. It is John Denver. Let me see. No, it's not. Yeah. Let me see. The very famous 70s singer songwriter John Denver was one of John oh, right. biggest God. fans. Not only did he write the fantastic song Calypso, but he donated the, song, the proceeds to the Cousteau Society. So that's a picture of John Denver yeah. next to Jacques Cousteau with a Nikonos camera. By the way, I'm very crazy. happy you How mentioned cool that. Is that. John Denver, yeah. as far as I'm, I'm concerned. I'm talking. I'm talking. <laughs> John Denver, unsung folk hero, as far as I'm concerned. This guy was an adventurous guy. Yeah. This guy flew experimental planes, sadly. And died in them? Sadly, it killed him. He, he flew experimental planes. He was a fan planes. of flying and crashing experimental he's, planes. He's deep sea diving with Jacques Cousteau. I mean, this cool. is a... This is He's a, a man. Great guy. I thought he was a... So... Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Just looking at his haircut. Retrospectively. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, my, my parents played that music to death. Did they really? And I as didn't a hear kid, too much John Denver. Really? As a kid, you're not into it because, you know, I'm too busy listening to Kiss. Yeah. You don't want to hear John Denver. Yeah. But his stuff's really good. Yeah. Name a good song besides the uh, ones I know. Like Annie's song. How's that go? You fill up my senses. <laughs> All right, that's one. That's a good song. I get. How how do you judge that as a good song? How about this? Because I know the song. Rock a Mountain High. Yeah, but okay. I heard Country that song. Okay. I'm leaving on a jet He wrote that song? I think so. I don't like that song. I don't know about that. No, maybe he didn't write that one. All right, <laughs> well, what else? That sounds like a uh, what's Christopherson. The, what's the best John Denver song I never heard? Country Road. Oh, I heard that one about a million times. Okay. Who wrote Leaving on a Jet Plane? The plane was composed by John Denver. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm leaving. Oh, it was Peter, Paul, and Mary Recorded it, but oh. it was written. All the jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. That's all we know. I'm never going home. What are some famous John Denver songs? I don't know. What How are some famous John Denver songs? How about Calypso? Let's hear that one. How does that go? Songs frequently 
frequently mentioned on the web include Take Me Home, Country Roads, Annie's Song, Rocky Mountain High, and others. Here, here oh, see all. The three that we see just... Calypso. Calypso out. goes like... Ooh, Calypso. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Oh. I told you. Sounds like the opening to uh, one of these shows. Oh. I had to get the boat bell in there. I'm surprised Disney didn't buy his likeness and <laughs> make a cartoon out of it. This guy's phenomenal. Uh, it's from the heart, but it's a terrible song. To work in the service of life and the living. Great. John Denver. He's like an American Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> uh, yes, is it, well, Gordon Lightfoot's Canadian, right? He certainly is. <laughs> the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. All right, now. Don't try making fun of Gordon Lightfoot. Keith, no. thanks for learning. Sundown, you better take care. What's the other one? Rainy Day People, he sang? Yep. Rainy Day People, they don't give a care. If I find you, bitch, you Fitzgerald, if I find you, bitch. Hey, but folks, we're going to see you in two weeks. Yeah, we sure will. Yeah, so uh, we'll see you we're soon. We're done already? Thanks for yeah. listening. Hey, goodbye. And we love you. We do! Yeah, if, if you've ever heard any live Black Sabbath, the last person in the world you would expect to be screaming, we love you, is Ozzy Osbourne, but he always does. At every concert. So I'm going to start doing that now. We love you! Thank you! Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We love you! We do. We do! Thank you, Cleveland!
some fish and chips. Fish and chips. Salt and vinegar. Mm. Fish and chips. Yep, scraps would be great. Fish and chips.